hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now today we're going to be talking about public speaking. It's everybody's nightmare. Well, not everybody. I have to tell you, for me to be on stage, that's my absolute sandpit and I love it. But there are a lot of people, most people who say that public speaking is worse than death. I'm not sure about that, but I absolutely know that it scares the bejesus out of most people. Now, my guest today, Victoria, helps people to overcome that fear and to get up on stage and really rock their public speaking and really own the stage. So if you're feeling a little bit um, unsure, you know, contact Victoria or find yourself a public speaking coach because there is a way to get up on stage. But let me tell you about Victoria because today's all about her. Victoria Lezniansky teaches introverted entrepreneurs and business professionals how to overcome their fear of public speaking and become confident, compelling, captivating speakers. After moving to the US from Russia more than 25 years ago with limited English, Victoria overcame her own crippling fear of public speaking to build several businesses, teach in a variety of industries and to speak in front of small and large audiences. She appeared on Fox Morning News and has been featured in numerous publications, including CBS, NBC, Houston Chronicle and Biz West Media. Taking her own experiences of going from scared to sought after speaker, Victoria founded Brilliant Speakers Academy, an online public speaking coaching program for anyone struggling with the fear of public speaking on and off stage. She also owns Nutty Scientists of Houston, a passion project about inspiring kids to fall in love with science which she grew into number one, the number one nutty scientist franchise in the United States. Victoria holds a Master's of Science in Computer Science and is currently completing a Master of Arts degree in Communications and Media Technologies. She lives in Houston with a husband and two sons, and we can't wait to hear about it. So welcome, Victoria. Hi, Karen. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, everyone. <laughs> excited to have you too. And where are you? you're in Texas at the moment? I am in Houston, Texas. So I am very close to Gulf of Mexico. And I've lived in Texas for about 18 years or so now. And of course, anybody who knows Texas accent, they all realize, wait, this is not Texas accent. Well, <laughs> Originally, I'm from the former Soviet Union, and I've been in the United States for about 25, 26 years now. Fantastic. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that big move in a minute. But um, before we do, you've we've had to put this uh, interview off a few times because one, uh, I was sick, you know, but um, you, I just had a common cold, but it still got me down. But you um, had COVID. So 
and and we we a couple of times we tried to reschedule, but it sort of kicked back in again, you know, to and keep dragging it down. Yeah. How how did that um how did that affect you? Like obviously it wasn't good. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't good at all. And I, you know, since last March, when we kind of knew there is this virus, and we tried to be very careful, and we we've been isolating the whole time even though it's not mandatory in Texas and we've been wearing masks and I've been boosting myself and my whole family with vitamins and doing everything right, Clorox and groceries, you know, just being careful. And you can still get it mm -hmm. if you're wearing a mask from an unmasked person close to you. And that's how my 14-year-old son got it from literally somebody who wasn't wearing a mask, even though he was, and the person next to him was also wearing a mask and both of them got it and he brought it home and the rest of my family got it as well. And uh, it's very, it's a lottery, you know, it's truly a lottery. Some people get it and show no symptoms, like my 10-year-old son. Some people recover fairly quickly in a week or two, like my husband and my oldest son. And me, in spite of being, you know, very healthy and great immune system and everything, I got hit pretty hard. We, we actually canceled or rescheduled, tried to reschedule our podcast interview uh, when I had COVID for the first week. And I was fairly confident I was going to recover by the end of mm -hmm. the week. I felt really good. And then all of a sudden, day eight, I started having fever. And then it got worse from there. And a week later, I, I was literally thinking I was going to die. It was so bad. And the only reason my husband didn't take me to the to emergency room, we were actually planning and already made, um, kind of looked at it and we, we were prepared to go, but my oxygen was good. And so it was kind of like, if oxygen is good, then maybe it's, I'm okay. Maybe they won't even take me. And we ended up going to urgent care and it ended up being pneumonia in both lungs. Mm. And I got on two rounds of antibiotics. So the whole thing kind of lasted about a month. And I am now a week later after I feel like I recovered. And now it's it's been another week and I feel like I'm at I'm close to being back to normal, but I'm not back to normal. So mm. it is not a cold, it is not a flu, it is not a mosquito bite as some people think. It is serious. It's very serious and you really don't know. And you don't want to be that person who is waking up in the middle of the night as a mom or as a parent and crying because you are so scared that what if your child is not going to wake up, just like some other cases that happened in Texas. So what if you are not going to wake up? It's, it's, it's a very terrifying illness that I think a lot more people should be taken a lot more serious, particularly where I live in the state of Texas. Mm. So it's a lot of people say that it's the same as the flu. How, how do you think it was different to the flu? Did you did you feel it was different? You know, my immune system is so good. I haven't had flu in I want to say 20 years, and I don't do flu shots just because I don't have flu. I kind of feel like okay, let's not jinx it. <laughs> but um, I don't even remember flu. But I remember it was fever, and you're kind of like in bed for a little bit. But this was absolutely horrible. I couldn't breathe even then, and that's where you're like you're so confused. I can't breathe. My it's so heavy. My heart hurts. I feel like I'm dying, and my oxygen is at great 99% level. And you're like, what's going on? Why can't I breathe? And kept on calling doctors every second day, and ended up in urgent care just because I was like, okay, there has to be something going on. Otherwise, why do I have one or two, one or three? fever, which is like close to, you know, 39, 40 in, uh, in metric system. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. And it's, it can have a very different 
side effects later down the road and you can be recovering for a very long time. Um, I still have heartache from it and all of that. So I, I'm hoping I'm gonna get to the other side without any long-term issues. But unfortunately, even among my friends, there are too many people who are having long-term issues with heart, lungs, et cetera. So it's, it can hit you, you may be lucky and it ends up being a flu or a cold, but it can end up being something a lot more serious. And it truly almost has no bearing on how healthy you are, how great your immune system is in general, it can still hit you and hit wow. you hard. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I think we're, we're pretty lucky in Australia. So I think I'll just keep my fingers you crossed are. and be thankful that you didn't wake up with that gratitude journal and keep, keep that scribing, I tell you. But yes, yes, you are very lucky and you've been as a country, as a whole country, you've been taking it very seriously and you, your government was paying attention and treating it from a, you know, scientific point of view and not from mm. however, you know, point of view our government used to have. And I think that's the biggest difference in numbers. You had barely anybody and we, we still have hundreds of people dying every single day and thousands and thousands getting sick so i and and now with vaccination almost there so close a lot of people are getting a little relaxed and mm. i just just want to remind anybody's listening guys just continue wearing your mask it's not that big of a deal come on not mm. that big of a deal don't stand don't stand close to unmasked people wear your mask hang in there a few more months we'll all get vaccinated will be a lot easier so yeah and there's, you know, a lot of talk about the vaccinations, good, bad. I don't know, honestly. It's, it's just so yeah. big and confusing and who, who knows. But, it is. you know, I, I see that they're not, you know, not letting us travel. You know, there's putting some bans on, uh, you can't get on an aeroplane without a vaccination yeah. and all that. So and there may not there may not be a choice for for all of us if, if we want to travel. But, you know, certainly travel was um, something big for me and, and I... Yeah. do want to travel again so I don't know we'll just see how it unfolds but speaking of travel because I tell you what what a you that's a journey on it on its own you know getting COVID. but you know speaking of travel you um as you said you know we, you moved from Russia I think it was 25 25 years ago yes yeah, about 25 years ago mid 90s yeah and it's um so you you moved out to the US and I mean that's just you know anybody who moves country completely moves country has my admiration because I just um, I, I think it's not just going moving to a different place that's familiar it's, it's moving to a completely unfamiliar place and also there's a language barrier you know and I don't care yeah. even because Russian's your first language and then in, yes. in America English is the first language but even if you had English in Russia it's still not the same when you land yeah. in a place where everyone speaks English you notice that English is definitely not the same as, as you know <laughs> it's very different and also I and I and I think that's what happens in most countries or at least in the former Soviet Union we all learned British English. We yeah. all we, we didn't know American English, and for the last few years, when I was in the university, I was working part time for an American company, Accidental Petroleum, which is right here in Houston. But I I was kind of slowly picking up more of American language, so to speak, American you know words, mm -hmm. expressions. Um, I was getting used to the accent, so it was 
I was kind of feeling myself a lot more comfortable um, hearing Americans speak and speaking to Americans, though British English was still easier for me. And I was also working part-time as an interpreter though very unofficial, just like friends would ask me, hey, you know, somebody comes, can you help? Even though my English was not anywhere that good back then. And I remember um, somebody asked me to interpret for a couple from Australia. And I'm like, well, it's probably going to be close to eat British English. I couldn't understand a word. Like that whole accent thing threw me off so much. I was, I felt so embarrassed. It was so, it's like the good things are not paying me or anything like, because that would be like really embarrassing. I'm like, I'm just trying to pick up a word out of a sentence to even translate something, but it's very, very different. So when I, when I came to the United States, it was of course a big shift, cultural shift primarily, but I was, a software engineer, you know, I, I had, I just graduated with honors from the university. I, I worked, I had experience, I had references. So it was, it was a lot easier, I think. And also just the fact that I knew how to program and I um, got my master's degree pretty much right away as soon as I came in computer science. And so I kind of started off in IT, which I think personally, it's the easiest way to start because programming is uh, language of its own and everybody speaks that same language when they're developers, regardless <laughs> what kind of accent you have. <laughs> oh, wow. I think it's, and when you're talking about, you know, Australian, I hope you can understand me. You probably can now. Oh, oh no, now it's not an issue. And, you know, I've had so many students from all over the world, though I still cannot hear a different, like, I don't think my ears are very good. Like, you know how sometimes people hear things better than they see? Yeah. Sort of more of an auditory learners, right? I think I'm using the right word versus visual learners. I'm a visual learner, so my ears are not as good. So like even right now, I cannot tell a difference in Australian versus New Zealand accent, even though I have students in both. I cannot, I don't hear it, but I, I can hear the difference between like British, proper British and Australian and American. And of course, understanding you now is like, it's like, what, why couldn't I understand it? What was the problem? <laughs> now it's easy, but it's been 25 years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I've got to tell you, Australians definitely have their own little, we have our own lingo. It's, um, we call it strine. Yes. You know, and so bloody lazy. <laughs> and we and we put we put vowels on the end of every word. You know, if your name's John, it's Jono and Steve-O and Dicko and you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that, which was like, oh wait, what was it? Oh, oh, and now I pay attention to this. I I think I think it's wonderful. I think it's lovely. But you know, bringing us back to public speaking, because a lot of my well. I would say half of my students, for them, English is not their first language. And I think that's an additional barrier. Yeah. Or even people coming from, you know, Australia to work in the United States. Of course, everybody understands them. But for a lot of people with any sort of accent that's not natively, you know, let's say American, if they're working in the United States, they're all in the back of their minds. They all have this story that they're judging me because of my accent and that kind of an extra layer of being afraid of public speaking. And so I totally understand those people who, for whom English is not the first language because I've had to go through the same journey and I've had the same story in my head and I had to overcome the same limitations, obviously. 
Yeah. And speaking of that, um, you know, it's it's funny because you know you you come from Russia and you started to do your 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 your, your uh, IT work, but then you, you know I, I want to ask you about your public speaking and how you got into that. But you, you know, you so currently you do help people public speak. Did you ever think that would happen? Did you ever you know like start come over from Russia and, and see yourself as somebody who would be helping others? Because oh being particularly in an English like an English country, no, wasn't even on your cards. No, oh, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even imagine myself doing it in my native language, yeah. let alone in a foreign language. I was growing up, I was really, really shy. I'm very much an introvert. I, you know, I'm social. I'm not like you know, a little hermit sitting behind the computer all day, even though I have inclination to do that. But I am, I am social. I'm very social, but I am definitely very much an introvert. And I've been even more of an introvert growing up. And when I was little, I remember, you know, seven, eight years old, if I had to ask an adult something or come to an adult and have a conversation, it would be so hard for me that even one-on-one, I would be all, you know, I would blush and I would get all sweaty and I would, wouldn't know what to say and my words would be stuck. It's like, it's crazy. I remember being scared even of one person and then when I was 10 years old, I was asked to recite a poem on stage in front of a huge audience, recite from memory. And they gave me the poem that same day, which sounds oh. totally crazy and unbelievable, but that's, you, that's from a Soviet Union for you. So they gave, <laughs> they gave me this poem and it was like on two pages. And I mean, I am blessed with good memory and everything, but I'm like, okay, I'll learn it. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go in four hours or whenever. And I, I'm stepping on the stage for the first time in my life, all alone. I did recite something before and as a group of people, but being alone in front of a microphone, in front of a thousand people, you know, the lights on you, it was so scary and overwhelming and nerve-wracking. I, I still remember how I'm standing there and my mind is completely blank and I'm shaking and I'm sweat is rolling down my back and I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm so terrified. I, I don't remember what to say. And then I said what I thought was the first line. And as soon as I heard my voice echo in the speakers, I realized that was a wrong line. And I stopped again. And people are now like totally giggling <laughs> in the audience looking at me. And I ran off stage in tears. And I, and I was like, you know what? This is not my thing. Clearly, I, I would never, ever do this again. So if somebody asked me that evening, hey, you want to be a public speaking coach? <laughs> I would be like, you people are crazy. Because that was the thing that I thought I would never, ever not teach, but even do. And then, you know, years later, when I moved to the United States, shortly after I started working as a software developer, I'm very entrepreneurial, and I decided to start my own business on the side. And I did. But because I'm so old, <laughs> that was so, so long ago. It was before Facebook and before YouTube. And you had to actually go out there yeah. and speak to people like you couldn't you know, message. You had to go and speak to people and speak in front of large groups to attract clients into your world. And I, I was as terrified as when I was 10. And but I, I knew I had to, I didn't have a choice. And I you know, I read and I watched videos and like some training and listened to advice of people who said, just do it scared, fake it till you make it, you know, practice makes perfect. And so I followed this advice. And I think where a lot of people will relate to this, it didn't work for me. 
just like it doesn't work for a lot of people who hear practice makes perfect and they spend months or years in front of an audience and every single time they just as terrified it just mm -hmm. doesn't go away and the truth is when we do something incorrectly with the incorrect mindset with incorrect you know just incorrectly in the wrong way all we are doing is we're building a habit and the more you repeat forcing you know through fears the more you repeat trying to be brave and courageous and just do it the more you form a habit that every time you speak in front of an audience you have to feel scared mm. and it becomes a very hard habit to break and it's usually stays with you mm. you just never learn to enjoy it if you were truly scared and so I realized I was doing it all wrong I kind of started shifting things I started changing the way I was thinking about it primarily not how I was doing it but how I was thinking because I realized it's all in your head mm. it's all in your head and and once I started changing my mindset I started seeing some shifts I started seeing how things started slowly becoming easier and and it truly took me years and and even then I wasn't trying you know to teach anybody I was just trying to get better myself and as I would and I continued building businesses I continued uh, having a corporate career and as I would do trainings or presentations or whatever I was doing in front of large groups every time at the end somebody would come to me and would say loved it you oh. were so great. We just loved it. Can you, like, you're such a natural. Can you teach me how to be a natural? And I'm like, I'm not a natural. You can't even imagine how scared I used to be. But what I realized, what, you know, what I didn't realize before, and what really dawned on me is that I, I thought it was just me, you know, like I was not good at it. There was something wrong with me, but everybody else seemed to be doing fine. Mm. And only later I realized how many people are truly afraid. Yeah. People you would never think about, you know, CEOs of large companies. Sometimes they're terrified to do a toast at their daughter's wedding because they're so, so scared. And, and I knew one thing. I knew how to go from being absolutely scared out of your wits to being not just confident and in control, but actually enjoying it, getting to the point where you enjoy it and you think it's fun and you're like, oh yeah, I'll get to speak, awesome. I knew how to make that transition. I knew how to make that journey and I knew how to teach it. And only then I was like, okay, I guess I should teach it because this is so helpful and it's gonna change so many lives. Mm -hmm. And it has, I've had hundreds of students and all the time I'm getting emails or messages in the Facebook group saying that you've changed my life, you've changed my life. And it's such a, it's such a great feeling because this is something that you don't, you don't just need public speaking if you want to be a professional speaker. Mm -hmm. You need public speaking right now for everything. You yeah. know, if you work, you can have any position in a company, you're probably speaking. Mm -hmm. Speaking at a meeting, speaking and doing a presentation, particularly if you are a leader or want to be a leader or trying yeah. to grow in the ranks. If you are an entrepreneur, you are connecting with your clients through videos, through Zoom, through live streams, through podcasts. We're not even talking about stage necessarily. Yeah. It's, it, there are so many ways where we speak to an audience and it's so important to be able to do it without fear. Yeah. And I think it's even that um, 
not even so there's an extra layer as well that you haven't even mentioned you know that you get the stage and then you've got your just just your, your your normal settings where people have to address other people but what you're also doing is you're there's a, the, the, the other dimension is that you're giving people a voice you know yes. that, that is so important because that that might only be a, a voice enough to stand up to somebody or voice enough to ask for something they want right. and there are so many people in the world who don't even have that voice just to say this is me this is what I deserve this is what I would like right. this is what I need and so you know what you're doing is brilliant in the in that just it, it, on every level do you know it's just Thank such you. an important thing to have a voice and it's yes especially especially when you are in a professional environment or you are an entrepreneur and i have so many students and it's particularly women and coming from certain cultures where you know you're nice if you are quiet and you don't yeah. really go like me 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 right yeah. you come from that background and you are trying to be a leader and you're trying to raise to rise in the ranks within your company and it's and what they're all saying is that i know i'm an expert I know I'm just as good or maybe even better than everybody else, but it's so hard for me to step up, to show up, to speak up, to raise my hand and say, I have something to say. And so from the outside, it looks like I don't care or I don't know my stuff, but it's that fear mm. of speaking up, of all the eyes on you, of, you know, people judging you, that fear is holding so many people back from reaching their full potential, from getting a better job from becoming a manager in their mm -hmm. company, becoming a vice president, becoming a CEO in the company where they they really deserve it. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't look like they do from the outside just because they don't speak assertively yeah. with confidence, with poise. So it's it's so important. But what you also mentioned is for a lot of people, it gives them the voice and opportunity to actually tell their story. Yeah. I have students who have a story to tell, who have gone through unimaginable things in their life. And they want to be able to inspire, to motivate others, to stand in front of them and deliver a powerful story. And they have the story, but they can't force themselves to speak. And whenever they speak, they either read or they're so scared that they don't really they're not able to connect with the audience in the most powerful way. And it's such a waste because what they have to tell, that story they have to tell is gonna change so many lives. And so no matter how you look at it, there are so many, so many benefits yeah. to learning how to be that confident person, not necessarily you know, confident 24 seven, you don't need to be confident 24 seven, but what you need is when that moment comes, when you turn on the camera, right, turn on your mic, or when you step on stage, you stand up in the meeting, you turn on that confidence switch and you're able to project the best version of you right then and there. It's so important, isn't it? When you're talking about, you know, uh, sharing your story too, it's 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 also the healing part, isn't it? And it's yes. and allowing other people to heal through your story and 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 sharing with people, hey, you're not alone. You you know, because most people when they're going through a terrible life, um, for whatever reason, you know, without getting into details, yeah. is they feel like, as you said before, you know, you felt like you were the only one who couldn't speak, and and there are out there people experiencing things who think I'm the only one, and I. I 
100% guarantee that whatever you're going through, you are not the only one. You know, there, there are other people out there uh, experiencing the same stuff. I love this because, you know, some people get off the bench. You know, I love, what I love about get off the bench is, you know, get off the bench and do that thing. And, and sometimes I'm inspiring people to... Um, yeah, you know, do that thing that they've always wanted to do. Yes. You know, what is it you've always wanted to do? Get up, let's go. But you, but there's also the other end of that is like you. Sometimes I, I'm, I have no choice. I actually have to get off the bench, you know. And yes. I'm bloody, I'm stuck, and I don't know what to do, and I'm, I'm absolutely terrified. But I actually can see that my life can't progress. You know, I can't achieve the goals I want to achieve and I can't um, live a meaningful, fulfilled life unless I, I, I do that one thing that will get me off the bench into the game and, and, and excite right. me. And that, that's the fearful. That, well, they're both fearful, actually. Any, any change that we have in our life is, you know, in, instigates fear. And, and But look at the difference, you know, because and something I try to inspire people about getting off the bench is that your life will be different. You know, you'll, once you push through that fear barrier and I always say it's, you know, cutting through the blackberries, you know, <laughs> yes. scratched and dinged up. But once you get through the other side, it's a different life. You know, you're not, you're not held by those chains that you were talking about before anymore. And, you know, you can, you can get out there and really bring your best to the world, which helps the world, but it helps you too. It's, it's Absolutely. Absolutely. It helps both. It's, and, and that's why Karen, I love so much what you're doing because you are inspiring people to make that change that they not only owe to themselves, or their future self, but they owe it to the world because a lot of it's such a chain reaction, right? We yeah. may do something because we just feel driven to do it and, and we make that change and we get off the bench and make that change, right? But what we don't realize is by us making a change, we may inspire a chain reaction of changes yeah. in other people. And this is so important and this is so, and a lot of people oh, just don't realize it, that your change is not just you most yeah. of the time. Yeah. It, it translates into other people's changes as it's well. It's massive, isn't it? You know, not only do you bring your thing to the world and it could be a world-changing thing or it might just be just, just you being a better person. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But, and when you're talking about that domino effect, you know, how it affects, other, well, the ripple effect, you know, yeah. is it, particularly if you've got a family, particularly if you've got kids, and I'm not saying this is just held by that, but people around you see the change in you, you, you know, and then they, it gives them permission to be bigger and better. And, and if, and if you if you do have kids and you make a change and you're a better person, you, the kids are watching you. I don't care what anybody says. The kids are watching you role modeling yeah. from you. And, and, you know, you're, you, you become more confident, you become happier. They're going to have better lives. So it, it it all just makes so much sense to me. And I, it's a struggle sometimes to inspire people, you know, to actually make that shift because I completely acknowledge what a hell of a, a, a fearful jump. And I 100% agree because I have to go through it myself every time yeah. I want to do something, something new. But, boy, the other side is this 
incredible, you know, I say slash through the blackberries to get out to this beautiful green pasture with daisies and waterfalls and <laughs> not always that great because there's weeds you've got to constantly bloody pull, but it's, um, yeah, I absolutely love it. So, um, you know, I, I, you've, you've have transformed from this tiny girl, 10 years old, and I can't believe that anyone would do that to a 10 year old. I just think that's bloody terrible, but anyway, um, um, there's no way I would have ever, re I, not even now, I'm a confident speaker and there is no way in hell I would remember two pages of a poem in four hours and be able to restart yeah. it. But you've somehow moved, like you've transformed completely, right, from this little kid yes. terrified to the very engaging speaker. And so what sort of, um, you know, you do, you do several, I'll read out the, the, the four kind of talks that you do, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that you're restricted to these, but, you know, you know, how I crushed my decades old fear of public speaking and learned to enjoy the spotlight. And number two, three self-sabotaging mistakes your audience might be making and how to fix them. Three, why fake it till you make it and do it scared and not going to work for you no matter how much you practice. Um, number four, what is one thing you should focus on in order to craft an unforgettable talk or live stream? So like, give us a few tips on that last one because that sounds fantastic. What if, what are a few things, what's one thing you should focus on? And this is something that you can go and implement right away. So this is not something that is just theory, it's practice. Go and do it. Okay, and this applies to, you know, I can call it talk, but it applies to anything. If you wanted to give a presentation, if you wanted to do a live stream, if you wanted to do a presentation on video, if you wanted to do a presentation on a podcast, it really doesn't matter. But whenever you have to speak, usually, particularly when you are afraid, the very first thing we're thinking about is us. Right. We know that we have to do a live stream. And let's say I decided to do a live stream on three self-sabotaging mistakes. And let's say I am very, very scared. What I'm thinking about before I'm turning on that camera is, oh, oh I hope I'm not going to make a mistake. Oh, they're going to judge me. Oh, they're just going to find out that I don't know anything. Right. We go into this crazy conversation, not crazy, but I mean, it's common, <laughs> but this self-sabotaging conversation in our head. And who are we focusing on? We're really focusing on us the whole time. What you have to ask yourself, and this is going to put you in the zone, but what you have to ask yourself is not how can I deliver the most educational presentation. What you have to ask yourself is how do I want to make my audience feel mm. by the end of this presentation? Notice it's feel. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with exactly, you know, what points you're going to cover. But it has everything to do with the journey that you're going to take them on from the beginning of your presentation to the end. And if you think of any any presentation that you've ever attended, most of them you don't remember. You wouldn't mm. remember 99% of them only because they were educational. You know, you listened, you got up, you feel the same, you left, you forgot. We only truly remember things that move us. Yep. We 
truly remember things that make us feel something special. And if you felt something and you got up and you went home and you keep on, you know, driving home and you're still thinking about it. And a week later, you're still going back because it made you feel something mm. so special. You're going to remember this for a very long time. You're going to maybe remember this forever. Maybe this has changed your life. And so when you are about to deliver a presentation, the most important thing to think about is how am I going to make my audience feel? Mm -hmm. And you stay focused on that. So the way you, you know, the way you structure your presentation, the way you write it out, it all has to do with that one question. Mm. You build it around that question. You don't build it around your brain dump because that's what most of us do. We just do a brain dump and we're like, here, mm. very educational. <laughs> we build it, right? We build it around how do I want to make them feel? What do I need to say to make them feel that way? How am I going to structure it to make that feel them that way? And how can I make sure that every sentence out of my mouth is forcing them from where they are right now, or maybe not forcing, forcing maybe not be the right word, but <laughs> taking them, moving them, thank you, for <laughs> moving them from where they are right now to where you want them to be, yeah. to feel, and whatever you want them to feel, you know, you may want to, feel, to make them feel inspired, maybe motivated to make changes. Maybe you want them to feel hopeful. Maybe you just want them to feel confident. Let's say you're speaking in a meeting, right? So it's not a motivational speech in any way or form, but you, you're giving an update on your project. Mm. How do you want to make them feel? I want to make them feel confident that the project is going exactly how it's supposed to be or even better. Yeah. Or I want to make them confident that project is going on the right track or will go on the right track, even if it's off track, right? What It could be anything. But you have to be very clear on how you want to make them feel. And then you build your presentation around it. And this is when not only you're going to make the best connection, not only when you're going to get the most engaged audience, not only when you're going to have audience that's going to come up to you after and going to say, I loved it. Mm. You've changed my life today. But this is also when you're going to feel the least amount of fear. Because you're not focusing on, oh, how am I feeling? Oh, are they judging me, right? Everything you're focused on is your audience and how you are making them feel. And by shifting the focus completely away from you mm. to your audience, yeah. you are releasing that fear inside yourself. Mm. And this is very, very powerful. 100% agree. I love it. Absolutely love it. And what a great tip. That is a fantastic tip to leave everyone. I love that so much. Well, of course, you do um, online coaching, but do yes. you do face-to-face? -face? <laughs> of course, we've got no choice at the moment. <laughs> were you doing face-to-face um, -face coaching uh, No, I, 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 I'm not doing face-to-face, -face even, even though I had a couple of students who were like fairly close to me here geographically. I'm not doing face-to-face. -face. From the very beginning, I wanted the program to be available to anybody, no matter where they live. Yeah. And also, I wanted to create the best program possible. And... And that may be my limiting belief in some way, but when you have to, you teach it every time, sometimes you forget something, sometimes you don't say it just exactly the way you wanted to say it. I knew that if I pre-record everything in the most powerful way, 
that's going to be the core curriculum. And then I can coach, do live coaching over Zoom, do live coaching over live streams, and really make this program the most effective that gives them the biggest results and the fastest results. But at the same time, I know that my curriculum is stellar. And I'm updating it all the time. I'm adding extra, anytime I record coaching, I'm like, oh, that was so good. Edit it out, put it in my program. Because I want that program to be the best, the most complete program ever that they can take on overcoming the fear of speaking. And so everything else that I do is actually my support. And that's all live, not face-to-face live, but online live. Um, and that's why I have students all over the world. I have students in Australia, in New Zealand, in uh, Europe, in Canada, in the United States, of course. Um, and I'm, you know, we're very blessed. You couldn't do it 30 years ago. We're very blessed right now that we can do this so easily. And especially with COVID, you know, it was interesting. I started this model way before COVID and then COVID happened and my program, there were no changes to it. It just continued going like it's been going because I always had it set up this way. Yeah, I think that that's, um, some people have managed, some people haven't, some people have fallen off the wagon, some people have continued, some people have had to change. But I think um, there's a massive, massive amount of um, blessing in the in the COVID situation in that we have been able to you know, um, reach people from all over the world. And, you know, I've always had this view that we're one world, one people, one love, you know, it's, I I can't stand all these borders, you know, and everything and we're different rules in here and different people in here and different, you know, I think that if we just operated by the universal law of love, the world would be a much better place. And when you, what COVID has given us the opportunity to do, despite all the shit end of it, you know, it has given us this opportunity to just to, to share our love, to share our wisdom, to yeah. share our hope, to share our joy, to share all, all the magnificence, you know, with anybody from anywhere in the world and we're closing the gap we're closing the gap on the distance and the obstacles and the different cultures everyone's starting to come together and i i couldn't be happier with that i just think i i love 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 anyway i just love every you know i just love (laughs) yeah i i'm i'm so with you on this i'm so happy i'm i'm so much like you because to me it's it's one world it's one world yeah. and, the, and and we are so, so alike. Yeah. And the more, and I think the people who, think, who don't realize we're alike are the people who, who never truly works, have been exposed to people from other cultures because they think, oh, it's another or person looks different or they, they behave differently. Oh, that must be completely, no. I, I think I even say it in the program all the time, like underneath skin, we're exactly the same. No matter where we come from, no matter, no matter where in the world we come from, we, we experience things the same way. We love things the same way. We, we're exactly the same, how we treat each other. And, and to create this artificial separation based on certain criteria of how a person looks like, this is the biggest evil thing that exists truly yeah. right now. And, um, and, and yes, and of course, during COVID, we, we did become more separated in the sense that, you know, we're isolated. But at the same time, with video, with Zoom, with live streams, people have come together as well. So it's been 
kind of we kind of see both sides of that situation and 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 and, you know I actually have a second business that didn't fare so well with COVID because my my other business which I wasn't really doing all that much I was kind of running on autopilot but um, I have a franchise called Nutty Scientists of Houston which is all about making kids fall in love with science, hands-on science. I purchased a franchise, but I built it from scratch. Um, and it's an all Houston franchise. And I I started it about now seven years ago, maybe six years ago. Yeah. But I, I kind of, I went all in and I started doing it and built processes. And I'm like all very, you know, former software engineer, right? So processes and making it very automated. And I've created a really, really great company and my Nutty Scientist franchise became number one franchise in the United States in sales. And it was kind of just running itself. And then COVID happened. And I had to put it completely on the shelf. Completely. Oh. Because I felt very responsible. I wasn't even, I was, I, I was scared to even run classes, even with masks on. Because we, our concept is that we're like on, the, on top of each other, everybody's touching the same thing, breathing it in each other's, you know, faces pretty much, right? That's kind of the fun of it. And to expose the kids, to expose instructors, I, I was just like, you know what? No, I closed the physical location and I put, we, we started, we got a lot of stuff canceled because, also, you know, everything got closed, schools, libraries, everything mm-hmm. last March. And since last March, we did a couple of occasional things, but I pretty much keep it on the shelf. And I don't know when I'm going to reopen, will I reopen it? Because uh, the situation right now is still not there where I feel confident that my instructors won't be exposed. So mm. it's, it's, I see how so many businesses suffered. Yeah. Um, you know, businesses like my Brilliant Speakers Academy business, which is completely online, it's been doing great and wonderful. And I didn't, you know, COVID didn't affect it to impact it in any way but the brick and mortar businesses they've they've really so many businesses closed so many people are suffering because of that and you know it is it is what it is it's kind of like you do the best you can and sometimes things happen and unexpected things happen who could have predicted um it is you know you can't prepare for something like this you sort of just go with the flow and see what happens. And that is the same, the shame, isn't it? When it is face-to-face yeah. reliant on face-to-face, that happens. Yeah. But I am really hoping that you get this back up and running. You know, I, I can't wait till America probably gets back on its feet because, you know, you you holding the position of the number one franchise, you know, in the, in the US, like that's really devoting some love to a business. Yeah. You, you obviously love science. Why is it called Nutty Scientist? Is this just a catchy catchy name to get kids in, you know, to, to yeah. try and... Mm-hmm. It is. It's a, it's a catchy, it's a fun name. And there was a fun logo. There is a fun logo. And this company is out of Spain, Madrid. That's where it originated. And they have franchises all over the world, several in the United States. And um, I'm sure there are some in Australia, but literally all over the world, Asia, South America, Latin America, everywhere, uh, Europe. And they, it's, it's fun because, you know, with kids, sometimes they... At school, sometimes science is only sort yep. of taught in a theoretical way. And, and sometimes it's not, you know, it's not the fault of teachers in any way or form. It's sometimes, you know, not the lack of resources, whereas they can't bring those fun things that kids can do with their hands or lack of time or curriculum is just this way, right? There are a lot of reasons. 
And when you make kids fall in love with science at an early age, you know, then they get to middle school, high school, and they, they, they have that seed of love already there. They yeah. never, they, it may get hard, but they never stop truly, you know, enjoying it and loving it. And that's what we were doing, you know, on the preschool level, on the elementary school level, making them fall in love. And we brought this, this program to a lot of underprivileged kids, to a lot of um, inner city youth, and to see them experience something like this for the first time in their life, you know, to kids who, who, you know, their role models may not be a scientist, you yeah. know, their role model may be, I just, just graduate high school, right? And for them to come to you, and I, I did, I, I had the instructors, of course, doing most of the stuff, but I did quite a few shows myself, and they would come to you, and they would just hug you at the end, and, and they'd be like, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. I'm going to be a scientist just like you. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this kid who never ever in her life could have thought that scientist was a profession for her based on so many other factors, yeah. all of a sudden has this little seed of a dream that it's, it's totally possible. And of course, we're trying to mentor, like we're mentoring them in a fun way, but we're showing them that this is so possible for anyone and it's fun. And it, so it was, it, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was really, really fun and interesting. And um, it was hard, of course, you know, any business is hard, but mm. it's, it was, it was very gratifying. I think that's the word. Um, it, so it is sad that it kind of had to end. And I know a lot of businesses like this, they try to go online, uh, some of them quite successfully. I just didn't have it in me to put the whole thing online and kind of re rebuild the whole structure just because it was already running on autopilot. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to completely redo the business. So I kind of thought, okay, let me see what happens. And I'm still kind of seeing what happens. <laughs> you, you've already got the infrastructure in place. So it's just a matter of reinstating it and then building right. it. But I, absolutely lo I love that because I didn't do any science in, um, well, we call it primary school, but, you know, in elementary, we didn't right. do any. And then when I got to, to uh, high school, I hated science, absolutely hated it because, you know, it. you're right, it was all theory based. And yeah. when we did experiments, we hardly did any, you know, well, maybe we did, but I can't remember because I hated it so much, but I my biggest memory is, you know, cutting up a, a an animal and cutting up a sheep's eye. Oh, and, and I, me being an animal rights activist, an animal lover, I, I cracked the shits and I said, I'm not doing it. And then I got in trouble with the science teacher, you know, because I was being, you know, disruptive and everything. And I said, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And they said, yeah, but the animal's dead. And I said, you, you bloody killed it. You, you, <laughs> you killed it so we could cut it up. And I said, I'm not. I hate science. And so, you know, just because it's taught in such a way that it it makes you resent it, it makes you hate mm -hmm. it, and therefore we move into our adult lives, you know, with a resentment towards it and with a, with a, we're begrudging it and I'm just not going to yeah. learn a, a whole resistance to it. And what a, what a stupid thing to do to kids because if, if we valued science more, we'd be a lot more curious about how things work. You know, I'm very curious about how mechanics work because I got the opportunities to, you know, do mechanical stuff and, and now I can fix anything. But as for science and chemicals and chemical reactions, you know, all I know is you shouldn't put this with that and a couple of <laughs> things that everyone knows, you know, you shouldn't. 
you shouldn't put brake fluid on your paint and, you, you know, just stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. But, but what, a, what a wonderful opportunity to have that as a child, you know, and have these yeah. wondrous things where, you know, all these things are foaming over and when you put this to this and this happens right. and, and, and wow. Do you, you yeah. Know, so. And, you know, yeah, I, you know, it was, it was amazing. And I think the coolest thing about it was that the way we taught it is we would teach, you know, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds, not maybe 10-year-olds, we would teach them concepts from high school or middle school science, you know, things like, let's say, Bernoulli's principle, right? We would teach that to little kids, not by teaching them theory, which, of course, they wouldn't understand. I mean, those guys barely understand it, but showing them and having them do hands-on examples. And then they're like, oh, I get it. And I guarantee every one of those kids who've gone through our classes, they'll get to high school and be like, I remember, I remember I was doing experiments. I remember what it was. I understood the concept even then. And so this is, it's not really teaching them science in the sense that, oh, now you can pass the test. It's very different. It's, It's more about inspiring them to fall in love and teaching them concepts from even later down the road in a way that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for for a business owner who kind of like, kind of was like you, I'm, I I really didn't like science at all in school because mine, back there, it was also very theoretical. And I just, I just couldn't wrap my head around theoretical stuff at all. I'm very logical, but the whole biology, chemistry and physics is pretty scary. And I wanted to be a doctor when I was younger. And I'm like, okay, clearly that whole doctor thing is not going to happen. I'm, just <laughs> chemistry and biology are too, are, are too complicated concepts. But it's funny, you know, like I, I have no trouble with math or computer science. So it's like, I guess you just choose choose what works for you. But I guess the main point is sometimes you end up running a business that has nothing to do with what your core knowledge is or what your experience is. I've never, I've never taught kids before. I've never been in a kid's business. I've never dealt with kids in any way or form. But I think what's important for any of you who are thinking of possibly starting your own business, a lot of times, yes, it does make sense to do something that you know, particularly if it's more like consultancy business. And of course, you want to do something that you know. But sometimes you have to believe in that business and in the idea behind that business yeah. and in the dream behind that business a lot more than looking at it going like, well, but I just don't know this. Yeah. Because this is something you probably can learn, particularly in my case, it was, you know, elementary school science, like, okay, I got that. But it was more about, I love kids. I see the mission of this company as something so worthwhile and so important. And I I was 100% behind it. And that's what made me happy. Even when I was tired, even when I was like, things may not have been going the way that I wanted them to go. That one kid who would come after every single show, after every single class, there would be somebody who will come to you and go like, that was so awesome. Thank you. We love (laughs) you. And this is the best science is the best thing ever. Like that thing that big picture keeps you going. So when you are looking to get off the bench and you're thinking, okay, maybe I'll start a business, you, you don't throw away ideas that may have nothing to do with what you know. Sometimes yeah. it's the idea behind that business 
is mm. so important. And if you can get 100% behind it, that's all you need. And that you may be more successful in that than if you started a business where there is no big idea, but it's something that you know. So it's yeah. interesting how it works. I agree. And it's, you know, it's, it's whether you align with the why and the vision of, of that, that particular yeah. business, it's how much joy does it bring? You know, if your, your vision or your, you know, your why is to, is to, you know, bring about more empowered uh, kids so that they become more functional adults. But I've never done science. You could still you could still do that because you, you, the concept behind it is to empower kids to become right. more functional adults. You know, and I think that we overlook that sometimes, and we we and we, we don't realize that there could be joy in things that we haven't even tried yet. And I'm a big believer in trying something new. And maybe not as a whole business, but just keep trying new things, yeah. you know. And, and and it's surprising that the things that you find joy in that you you never ever thought you would, and simply because we just haven't done it yet, you know. But yeah. I think yeah. um, there's so many joyous opportunities in the world and we've just got to get bigger at, at, at yeah. giving things a go and and you know it's okay if you give something a go and you absolutely hate it that is perfectly fine and you can say well at least I gave it a crack and you know what I hate that yeah <laughs> don't now I back. know <laughs> <laughs> exactly but you know it's um I, I, I absolutely love love what you're saying and it's just you know I, I love it now when you I'm going to ask you this because you've talked about, you, you know, you're setting up your Speakers Academy. You've talked about grabbing hold of this nutty professor, nutty, nutty scientist. <laughs> I know everybody calls it nutty professor. Sometimes we get checks to nutty professor. I'm like, what am I going to go with the check? <laughs> <laughs> nutty, nutty scientist, you know. So you've, you've sort of really, you know, just grabbed the ball by the horns and just, you know, ran with a few things. And I absolutely love that I love, I love the courage behind it I love the commitment behind it you know just love it and and it's making you so happy you know you can you can see that hey you know I found my place in the world and I'm, I'm out there and I'm booming and you know I I yeah. never thought I would um do anything scientific <laughs> because that wasn't in me and I never thought I'd be doing anything to do with speaking because that wasn't in me and what you're finding is that man th this this is in me you know I'm, I'm expanding I'm bringing this amazing um, inspiration and joy and and hope to so many people and I'm lighting their life up and therefore they're lighting up the lives of others and I just love this. Do, you know, I, I love it. And, and you're just the epitome of having to push through the push through the what I don't like or what I don't know or what I'm scared of uh, to come up with this life that is just freaking booming. You know, I absolutely love it. But I'm going to ask you this one question. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I think the biggest thing, apart from business, because as a mom, of course, for me, I am mom first and foremost. So as much as I'm, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, don't touch me. I'm doing my thing. And the kid's like, oh, she doesn't even love us anymore, right? But <laughs> as a mom, you are always, always, always thinking about your kids. And so what gets me out up in the morning, of course, is a family and my kids more than anything else. But the close second is my Brilliant Speakers Academy because that's the business that I've been doing that's the only business that I've been doing for the last year. I've been, doing it, I've been doing it before that, but then I was still doing Nutty Scientist at that time. But right now, just the thought that they're going to be a person today whose life is going to change just because they are going to go through my program. 
oh, they're already going through my program and they're going to get to that lesson that's going to be like, oh, I got it. And they're going to go and do great things in their life. And their life is going to change forever. And that gives me so much joy and so much satisfaction because, of course, as entrepreneurs, we're opening business because we want it to grow, we want to make money and all of that stuff. But there is a difference between just running a business that really doesn't yeah. make you light up and running a business where you see so many changes in people's lives mm-hmm. in everything that they do in their career, in their life, and in, in how they approach things. When you see yeah. how huge the difference is and you know that you contributed to that, yeah. that is such a great feeling. Such a great feeling. Yeah. yeah, I know. When you see those lights come on in people's eyes and bam, it's, it's I, I 100% agree yeah. with you. Absolutely love it. And sometimes you get, sometimes you get frustrated. It's like, oh, man, why, why won't people just step into their greatness? But, you yeah. know, the, the <laughs> someone does, someone does, and you think, yes, oh, my God, this is, this is why I get up. It, it's, I, I love it. And I've loved this conversation. I've got to this question that I ask everybody. So here we go. So this podcast, clearly get off the bench is about inspiring people to you know get up and get off the bench do their thing yeah it's kind of like a broken record get off the bench get off the bench at least people remember it (laughs) what what advice would you give um you know and we've already had some great advice you this this podcast has been full of gold nuggets i'm so so appreciative of your sharing so generously um you know if somebody somebody absolutely needs to speak and they, and they don't know what to do. That, that, whatever it is, for whatever reason in their life, they they got no choice, have to speak, um, and they don't know what to do. What what advice would you give them as their first step? Apart from coming to you, of course. But, well, the first you know, step would be to come to me um, because, <laughs> I, you know, you can enroll in my program or you can even go through a lot of my free trainings that I have. So that would be the first advice. But but truly the first <laughs> the first step, I think the biggest reason a lot of us have fears and a lot of times our fears are all revolving around I'm not good enough is because we all have these stories we tell Mm -hmm. ourselves and some of and and you call it different names you know limiting beliefs or stories or there are some other names but we some of us have lived with those stories all our lives and some of them were created by our parents and our childhood. Some of them were created with love. That's mm. just, unfortunately, love brought in certain stories because our parents were trying to protect us from certain things in life. Or they were, the reason you know we have the stories is because some bad things happen. But all of mm. us have certain stories. And by stories, let me give you an example. You know, Some people say, well, I will never be good at this because I'm an introvert. I will never be good at this because I failed. That was my story, right? I will never be good at this because English is not my first language. I will never be good at this because I'm just not important enough. I'm just not, I don't know enough. I'm not an expert enough. And and it could be anything. Oh, I, I will never be on camera because I'm not attractive enough. A lot of women have that story going. You have to truly evaluate your stories and separate what's true and valid from what's not true and it's just you 
trying to create a safe space so that you don't have to get off the bench, right? That's, that's what a lot of people are going through. Um, a lot of people hold on to their stories for their life. And even when they hear that, no, that's not true. That's just the story you're telling yourself. They still prefer to hold on to that belief because it's safer to hold on to a limiting belief. Yeah. You, you, you feel safe because there is always an excuse. But you mm -hmm. see, the reason I cannot do it is because I have this valid excuse. And only when you truly let go of those stories, of those excuses, that's when you're taking that first step to becoming the best version of you, the mm -hmm. most confident version of you. But it all starts from you looking through your beliefs and separating truth from fiction. Yeah. And it's hard, difficult, isn't it? Because, it is. you know, we, we, we interpret it as the truth because that was our interpretation of right. the reality. You know, you know, and we've created our own reality, but, you know, something that's really val valuable and all that is to um, try and look at things from a different perspective, as in, you know, um, I, my parents said this to me and they meant that. But maybe maybe go and have a look at, well, if you were one of the parents, if you were one of your parents saying it, well, what, what intention could you have had behind it? And if you start to look from things from yep. different pr perspectives, you know, you start to think, mm, maybe I haven't interpreted that yeah. exactly right. I'm saying it like it's easy. You're saying it's like it's easy, but it's um, we all know that this limiting beliefs um, story, the stories that we hold are the toughest, are, are the whole reason that we don't, we don't do things, you know, right. and um, it, it's, but I, I still say exactly what you're saying. Uh, find a way to keep questioning those beliefs right. because you know, you're not going to just wake up one morning and say, right, today I'm going to get on top yeah. of all my beliefs and, and we're going to deal with them and they're all bullshit and let's move on. That's not going to happen. But if you make it part of your part of your um, habitual processes, to, right. hang on a minute, I'm going to question that. And, yeah. you know, I think we'll get there. But I, I, I love it. And I've absolutely loved this interview. I love it. You know, and we've got to get to the end. But, you know, I could talk to you all day. I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> it's fun. It's joyous. You know, it, it's just I'm using the word joy a lot in this interview. And, and you're bringing me a lot of joy. And, you, you, you know, I, I can see that you, you're sort of, um, you know, throwing out a lot of joy into the world. And, and that matters to me. You know, that, that, that's important to me. So I, I love that very, very much. <laughs> Honestly, and, and I think, you know, you touched on something there. The first the first thing is, you, you know, is come and see me, at, you know, come and see you at um, Brilliant brilliant Speakers Academy. And, and honestly, guys, actually go do that. You know, go and have a look at some of the videos. But let's get people um, headed to you if they want to do that. So um, where can people find you? The best place to find me is my website, www.byvictoriaL.com, which is B-Y, by Victoria, my name. L for Leozdiansky, which is my last name, and you don't have to spell it. That's why it's byvictoriaL.com. And I have some free training right there on the homepage. You can go and watch some training videos that I have. And of course, I would love to help you inside of my Brilliant Speakers Academy program or my group coaching Brilliant Speakers Accelerator program and get you to the other side. You've been, if you've been stuck with the fear of speaking, for a long time this is not a death sentence this is definitely something to skill and like any skill you can learn it you can implement it you can internalize it you can make a habit out of it and you 
can become great at it. And I I love it. So would love to see you. Um, Also, people can get you on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and and YouTube as well. So um, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so that people can go and have a look and, uh, you you know, and and even just start with, you know, the free training. And if you like it, get get moving into it because, as Gloria said, um, we've got to speak in so many situations in our life and, um, you know, got to start somewhere. But I have loved this. So I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for sharing so many amazing nuggets. And uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure for me. It's been a joy, just like you said. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. I'll catch up with you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. See ya. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. I I know I use the word joy a lot in there, but that was very joyous. I really, really felt it. And I hope you did too. Look, what a a great idea. If you do have any public speaking that you need to do um, and you, you don't know where to start, you're just cringing, you're just feeling so damn horrible about it, I've got to push through this fear, go and have a look at Victoria's website and just just have a, even have a look at the free videos and have a look at some of the YouTube stuff and just see what you can find out. So it is, again, the website, byvictoriaL.com. And I am going to put that in the show notes. So, um, you know, go and have a look. She's also got an Instagram and a Facebook and a LinkedIn and all that. So, so just check it out and also check out Brilliant Speakers Academy and you know, honestly, guys, I know, I understand public speaking is one of those things that everybody poops their pants about. Um, and when you are forced to get up in front of people, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this to me. I would rather die. And I actually have heard so many people say, I would rather die. No, you wouldn't. Forget that bullshit. You know what? Get up on stage. Just go do the bloody thing. Learn how to do it. You know, as as uh, Victoria talked about, think about, you know, what do I want the um, audience to feel, you know, and once you start doing it, you know what? It's it's such an important thing. And, and even if you're not on stage, having a voice is damn important. And everybody deserves to have a voice. Everybody deserves that opportunity to express who they are, to say what's important to them and to really have their needs met. And, and for, for that to come from you with your voice, that's so damn important. So I feel myself about to start a rant. So I'm going to stop before I do that because I love ranting about what I'm passionate about. Anyway, I'm going to leave it there. Honestly, guys, what a great, what a great um, interview. I hope you got a lot out of it. And again, thank you so much for joining me every week. It really means the world to me. I know that they're not, that's not just lip service. I truly mean it. So I hope you stick with it and I will catch you next week. Okay, see ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.